0: My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Not Overthinking. Today, we have a bit of an in-between episode for you. Now, this is an interview that I did with a chap called Justin Khan a few days ago. Justin is the co-founder of Twitch, twitch Twitch.tv which sold to Amazon for just under $1 billion a few years ago. Justin has now started a YouTube channel and a TikTok fairly recently, and he talks a lot about wellness and how the constant striving for success and chasing accomplishments won't make you happy. Um, this is a, a fun little conversation that he and I have, and we will be returning to our scheduled programming from next week. Go, Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another deep dive live stream this is the second one of the day for those of you who are awake at eight o'clock in the morning uh, many 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 hours ago and i'm very excited to be joined by justin khan justin khan how do you how do you pronounce your name justin justin khan justin khan <laughs> cool justin thank you so much for being on the channel um loads of people in the chat uh, wanting to wanting to hear from you and we've got lots and lots to talk about so um yeah th- thanks for coming yeah. on I'm so I'm so
1: excited to do it, especially after your first guest of the day was Brandon Sanderson. Oh, are like you, one of my favorite Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I it was nighttime for me when we yeah. were
0: doing it, but I was still awake for whatever reason and I actually caught some of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, this has been like one of the uh, the, the, the the most bizarre days of my life, first talking to Brandon and then talking to you <laughs> cuz you're both yeah. absolutely huge deals in your own right and I'm I I've been having this real struggle of trying trying not to fanboy too hard. Uh, because <laughs> I don't know, it it just feels like a weird look <laughs> for for like yeah. All
1: right, well I'll try to live up to whatever you know, however, <laughs> Brandon Sanderson level. I don't know if that's
0: gonna happen, but I'll try my best. So uh, on that note, while what, what, while we're here, th- this was something I wanted I wanted to ask you about. Like when whenever I talk to someone who is like a big name, uh, of which I, w- I consider you and Brandon to be in that in in that category, I always feel a sense of like oh. I don't, I want to, I want them to like me, but also I want to, I want to interview them nicely. And I also don't want them to just think that I'm only using them for the content. And I will, I have so much overthinking that goes on in my head. What's it like from your position to be on like a live stream like this, speaking to a random YouTuber? I know it
1: feels, it's fun. I, okay. In my head, what's going on is kind of like, um, I really want to appeal to his audience, right? Like, I want to them to check out my YouTube, right? Because you're an expert in YouTube, and I'm like know nothing about YouTube. I've been mm-hmm. doing it for a month, and so I'm kind of like, oh, what can I learn about YouTube? And there is a, you know, I have a little anxiety, and like, oh, is, am I going to be interesting to his audience, and are they going to come and check out my channel? You know, the things of like, what do I want in this situation? And then there's a metacognitive process that that I have now from basically training and practice that's kind of like oh why do you feel that way like do you need to impress the people around you like what is it where is that feeling coming from what does that feeling feel like so like where in the body is that feeling and yeah. what's it you know what's the physical sensations of it and that kind of re- helps to reduce the noise of those you know that kind of overthinking anxiety that may be going on in the background
0: Uh-huh. Uh, for me okay that's very interesting, so I, so I think both of us are sort of approaching this from spotlight effect angles in that thinking that like we want to perform well, whatever that means to each of us and exactly the other person's not thinking about that at all <laughs> right you're, you're yeah. not thinking about. Other people's, I mean, this is true of like, life, not
1: just in a live stream, but generally you're not thinking about all the performance anxiety that, and other types of anxiety that everyone around you is having, right? You're mm-hmm. just thinking I'm the only one. This is my experience. I have anxiety. Everybody seems like they're totally fine and I must be defective, broken, like messed up in some way, right? And that I think is a very common experience for, for many people, uh, even, and sometimes especially incredibly high performing people. Because oftentimes the performance anxiety, or the anxiety to impress other people, or the need to impress other people, mm. is what drives high performance. Right? It's it's not a healthy, necessarily like the most healthy way to do it, but it's
0: something that can drive that high performance um, in people. So, why why is this still a thing for you? Because like from from where I'm sitting, it's like, well, you're Justin Kahn. you founded you co-founded Twitch, you sold it to Amazon for like a billion dollars. If if anyone has fu money, it's you. So like at that point. We, you know, n- normal people have a feeling that once 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 you've made it, surely all of your, surely everything is sorted in your life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> everything you just make it, you hit it,
1: you yeah. know, and then then like you, the world's just perfect, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> unf- unfortunately, it, it doesn't work like that. There's a couple uh, things that are kind of working against you. Number one is like there's this hedonic adaptation, right, or hedonic treadmill concept. I don't know if you've talked about that before, but it's basically the idea that you adjust to whatever your circumstances are. You know, you might if you sell a company for a billion dollars, like when, when we sold Twitch, it was like, that was great for a week, or, you know, maybe a little longer. But mm-hmm. then afterwards it was like, oh, that's just where I'm at now. And there was always something further out on the horizon that could you know, that I was looking at, like, oh, can I start a bigger company at you know, ten billion dollar company or invest in, you know, find other companies to invest in that are even bigger. And so, you know, for me, nothing Ever, I know no external success ever stuck in making me, you know, more happy, less anxious, whatever it was. Hmm. Um, that's one one thing. And the second thing is, you know, you might be an expert, or I might be an expert, and be pretty confident in certain areas. Like if you were going to start a startup, a tech startup, I could probably confidently say here's some set of things you should be thinking about and some set of things you shouldn't be thinking about to you know drive your way towards success yeah. in the early days. But there's so many different areas that I know nothing about you know, and I am a beginner and there are people who are much more expert than me. Like, even if you're a billionaire, who's like very confident, you're going to be uh, going into areas and, you know, being in situations in life where there are many other people who are much more competent and experienced. than you. Here, like you're an expert at YouTube compared to me, right? You have a hundred times as many followers as, as I have on, on YouTube. And so when it comes to like performing for YouTube, <laughs> like, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm the beginner and, and you're the master. And so, you know, and that's true of, of like, if I met Brandon, I'd be like, oh my God, how does somebody write a fantasy book like that? I can't, you know, I can't even imagine how I would go about that process. And I've spent so much time in his fantasy worlds that I would be, you know, I'd be starstruck in that, that way, you know, so and worried about what he was thinking about me. And, you know, that, so it's a very natural human experience.
0: Oh, excellent! That's that's very reassuring to hear. Um, there was something you said earlier, which which I which I find very intriguing, which is this thing of where where is the emotion coming from? Like, where am I feeling it? Like, I feel like this is something I'm absolutely terrible at. Like, I'm so bad at like acknowledging my own emotions. Um, how did yeah? How did you get started on that route? Cause, because you strike me as sort of like me in that you're probably quite logical, like a bit of a tech bro, and yes. for for our kind of people, like you know how am I feeling about this? And where's my emotion? It's like, it's like not even a thing. So like, where, where do you begin on this path of becoming more emotionally aware?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I love talking about this. So basically, you know, my experience was, I was an engineer, right? I was a, somebody who was always think, thought of myself as like very rational. I thought emotions were not relevant. Mm. And, um, I also thought I was very emotionally stable, I remember telling someone that, oh, I'm, I'm so emotionally stable. <laughs> That's literally what I tell people. <laughs> Which was, yeah, it yeah. was just actually being unaware of what was going on inside me and my emotional okay. state. Um, and so there was like a number of things that I learned. Um, but the, the way it started, the re- reason I started thinking even about this was I just got so depressed when I was working on one of my startups. It wasn't working. And I got super depressed and I didn't know it was impeding my ability to be productive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the company wasn't working like we wanted it to. And so I went to a therapist and I was like, I feel so like I, I can't like work and I don't want to get out of bed in the morning and I just hate what I'm doing. Like, what do I do? And we've talked about it. eventually it came out, you know, oh, I have this like feelings of guilt. Like I promised all these people, this company's going to be successful. I promised my employees, the customers, the investors, and I don't feel like I'm delivering on that promise and so I have this guilt inside, and I'm feeling guilty, like and that's being paralyzing in my, you know, experience. And so, you know, I had this experience, and one of the tips that the my therapist told me to try was she suggested that I try just when I feel that feeling, instead of saying, "Oh, I need it to go away," which is what I was doing. I was like, "Oh, I feel guilty. I need to go away," so I go get blotto and you know, drink myself to like blackout. Um, well, I watched hours and hours on Netflix or something, you know, anything to just distract me from my current present moment experience. She said, Hey, instead of that, why don't you just sit with it and see how it feels and notice it in the body. And I later learned this is a mindfulness technique, right? This is a meditation technique. At the time, I just thought it was like a tactic to Mm. avoid or to like deal with my experience. And then I noticed when I started doing that and I just sat with it, oh, I feel this guilt. It's in my chest. It feels like somewhere between my lungs in my stomach and it's a little bit like a buzzing or tension then like i can say oh what does that feel like and once i z- kind of zoomed in on it, it actually dissipates right like you're the human body is not designed to uh hold emotions for extended periods of time you actually need to be in it by re- re-triggering yourself through overthinking you know when you're angry you're going to let that go like something might happen you get cut off in traffic you get angry immediately because that's a um that's a, a hormonal reflex, right? Like in your your brain and you, you get like cortisol in your brain, and you're like stressed out. That's a survival mechanism yeah. for you. But then if you, in the th- you have two choices. You can like sit with it and like let it go or you can uh, reactivate yourself, right? You'll you'll say, oh, that guy fucking cut me off and like he's such an asshole. He's probably like, you know, laughing at me or whatever. Just like your mind will just make up reasons and you'll re-anger yourself, right? And then you can get caught in the spiral and then, you know, it could last for potentially forever, right? For days or or whatever. And, um, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of how I got started. And then eventually I realized, you know, I I learned more about motion. I I had a lot of great teachers and mentors in this area. And I started to see emotions as they're not like illogical. You know, I thought they were so illogical and they, like, if I was rational, like a true, you know, engineering tech bro, I would Mm. like just transcend them and be like (laughs) Spock or something like that. And I realized, I learned like emotions aren't illogical. Emotions are an adaptive me- response, you know, like uh, adaptive behavior, right? There, there, there's a mechanism for you to survive, right? If you feel if different emotions like are indicators that you should do different things differently, right? Like having, if you feel anger, it's like something is wrong right now and I need to do something right now. And it's an impetus to do that. If you feel, you know, guilt or anxiety of, about the future, anxiety is like oh something in the future is going to be wrong and i need to worry about that now right so these are actually health can be helpful to you right and that's why we have emotions but um you know and when i started to see them as oh it's like i have this mental model or like a like emotional model and it's taking in all the data sources from the outside world and then creating this emotional response which is actually data for like Hmm. How I, feel, how I want to be in the world and what I might need to do in the future or presently to, to um, you know, make things better for me. And when I started to see that and see it as like, oh, it's not something to be fixed. It's just something, part of the human experience. And I can just accept that. And I can say, oh, I have anxiety, or I am angry sometimes, or I feel sad sometimes. I also feel joy and excitement. Then it was the first step in,
0: in you know, just being able to be. Okay that's very interesting that that sort of sounds almost conflicting with like the traditional what i understand to be like the stoicism approach which is which would be you know along the lines of you know you want to minimize your deviation from tranquility as much as possible and yes if you feel like guilt about something or if you feel sadness about something you might have that flash of sadness or anger or whatever which you can't control but then everything else is as you said kind of the story that you're telling yourself about it and the way that i've kind of approach this in the past is i'm feeling bad about this thing okay cool why am i feeling bad about this thing oh it's because i was addicted to that person okay cool i will apologize to them and vow not to be addicted to that person again in that same way and then i'm like cool i should now not feel bad about this thing anymore and even though there would still be some residual bad feelings i'd be like well you know this is irrational at this point because i've (laughs) i've done the bit that's in my control i've done what i can do i'm not going to make the mistake again so why am i still feeling bad um yeah is, is is that something that you used to have at all does that still do? Well, I would say I still have
1: it. And and I don't think that, you know, kind of that stoic philosophy that you talked about and what I was saying was is actually in conflict at all. I think um, there you know, I you you are going through a process of, of taking that data and then releasing it, but of course it's not perfect. Like the human being body's not a machine, and so it might take some time. But I think what you'll probably have noticed is since you've been doing that technique, mm. you've been able to process your emotions and move on faster than if you were not kind of going through that process and and um and you were just like re-triggering yourself you know or feeling guilty over and over because you didn't weren't like actively thinking about like what does this mean for me and then like how do i process it and move
0: on so the vibe of the so the vibe of the therapist that you was is, is so fe- giving yourself space to feel the emotion is not is yeah. not the same as fixating on the emotion and like a sort of exaggerating. no, no I-
1: I think, I think oftentimes when we fixate on it, we're unconscious of our emotion, Okay, but we're thinking, it's like the thinking process is like going in overdrive, right? We're saying like, oh, I feel so something guilty, and but I'm not thinking about that guilt. I'm thinking now I'm like, oh, I need to do something else. So I'm like, I can distract myself or I'm like really thinking about like, oh, if I in like in the past, if I made these sets of different decisions, like I would have done things differently and I wouldn't feel this way today and like, hmm. I should have like done A, B, and C things. Like I should have started a different company. I should have not raised money from investors. I should have not hired these employees. You know, and and then I'd, I'd be like retriggering myself. You know, I'd be less okay. like, oh, I can't believe I did it. I'm so stupid. I'm an yeah. idiot. I'm like I'm such a bad founder. i would like my identity. You know, all these stories. I'd yeah. just be telling myself these stories over and over again. Instead of being present with my emotion, you know, and saying, oh, okay, what's that feel like, and like why? What's that? What's what's that about? And being curious about it, I would be. Mm-hmm really trying to being avoidant about it in a way. And so I think that's the kind of subtle distinction, you know, it's not about being like guilty, you know, saying, Oh, like this is guilt is great. And I'm trying to like feel it max land and just only be guilty. You know, (laughs) like you're, I think it's more about acknowledging that you feel that way and really understanding what is the experience of it. And then
0: that is the first step in letting it go in my, my experience. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Yeah this is something that like quite a few friends of mine have said to me they're like they've been like look you you put on this front of like being like an emotionally stable stoic type person but really it's just because you're not feeling your emotions and you're not like acknowledging them and i've always, always been like maybe there's something to that and i've been toying with the idea of of seeing a therapist or something i don't know have, i i imagine you would say it's been it's been a good it's been a good experience for you for sure. I mean, I'd recommend therapy to
1: everybody, you know, even if you're well. Mm. I think it's very cathartic to have someone to talk to, and it's a mirror for yourself, you know. It's a, just another tool for you to learn more about yourself. Uh, so definitely pro-therapy. Um, you know, this, I'm, this tool itself is a meditation tool, and I'm, I definitely recommend. I think meditation has been the most important skill I've ever learned in my life. Mm. And so I definitely recommend meditation also as a, as a tool for people.
0: Um, that was something I was going to, I was going to talk to you about because last, l- last time we spoke, you said that you, yeah, you, you, you said you were very, um, bullish about <laughs> the idea of meditation. Um, and it's something that I've been meaning to try for a while. And I've, I've read Waking Up by Sam Harris and I keep on thinking, huh, I should probably start meditating. And then I feel like, uh, for me, it feels like the, like the timing is never right. And I'm like, oh, well, if, I, if I'm going to do it, I should commit to doing it for like 30 days in a row. And then the, the thought of committing to it for 30 days in a row starts to feel like, oh, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, how, how should I start <laughs> on, the path, on, the, on the path to meditation as someone, someone who's been there?
1: Well, I think the first thing you should do is just make it really easy for yourself to adopt. Any, I think this goes for any new habit. So I would make it the easiest possible. For me, that was saying, okay, I'm going to meditate for two minutes a day, and like that's my goal. There's really no excuse to like not do two minutes. I could be Mm -hmm. very tired at the end of the day at 11:58 p.m. and sit for two minutes. Like yesterday, you know, I meditated a lot now, but yesterday I didn't have very much time, and I only meditated for five minutes. And I still counted it. I said, I, I I sat. I, I, you know, I put in the effort. Mm -hmm. You know, you really want to focus on systems and frameworks and not outcomes. Uh, in order to you know adopt habits, it just makes it so it's you know it's much easier. It's a much more gentle onboarding. So I mean, that's the first thing I would do is set a really low bar. I think uh, for me, starting with an app really helped. You know, I was using Headspace, and then I used Sam Harris's app, Waking Up, and you know, I said I'm going to meditate every day. And then, well, first I actually just said I'm going to meditate today, and then the next day I said okay, I'm going to meditate today. I'm just going to try to make the longest string of unbroken you know med- meditations in a row and see what happens i didn't have any expectation at first you know can i just do 2 minutes and then 2 minutes and 2 minutes and so you know that's what really what worked for me was just a very gentle onboarding and then having some faith that you know i saw enough friends of mine get benefits that i said okay if i stick with this if in the framework right if i say okay i'm just going to try to meditate a little bit every day, then eventually something good is going to happen. And I don't need to actually create a tight feedback loop of like saying, okay, how do I feel today? Do I feel better right now at this exact moment? You know, it wasn't about that. I think of like, I think of wellness habits as filling a bucket and you're Mm -hmm. filling it one drop at a time. You know, if you've put in every time you meditate for two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, you're putting one drop in the bucket and it's slow, but eventually you're going to have a full bucket. You know, it's kind of, you need a little bit of faith, but it's also quite obvious that eventually it will work if you just put in a drops in that bucket, you'll eventually be full. Okay,
0: so what would you say are the, are the benefits that you've gotten from meditation? And I appreciate that this is often hard to like articulate. And this is something Sam Harris talks about in the book as well, that like anyone who talks about this sort of stuff, if you've not experienced it, you're gonna think they sound a bit like woo-woo. Um, but how would you like, how would you sell meditation to like a tech bro friend of yours who's who's a bit skeptical about it? Yeah, the way I would say it is
1: meditation for me has made me much more accepting of my present moment experience, whatever it is, whether it's great, it's joyful, you know, it's easy to accept that in your daily life, but also whether when there are difficult experiences, and I feel guilty or angry or something um, that I perceive of as bad happens. And so for me, it's like meditation is, you know, I say it's the most important skill I've ever learned because I feel like I'm no longer fighting against my experience. People call that in the meditation world, it's called equanimity, right? Acceptance. And I inst- I used to fight against my experience constantly. Like when I would feel guilty, I'd be like, oh, I can't feel this way. And then I would go get drunk or I would you know, you know go drown myself in watching media and YouTube. Or when I would feel anxiety, I'd feel like, oh, I can't, you know, I want to get rid of this feeling. Or if I was even in an uncomfortable physical situation, I was like very against it. You know, I was like, I don't want to do this. I hated cardio, for example, because I I just couldn't be, I hated being in a a physical situation that was uncomfortable. So any form of discomfort, I really ran away from Hmm. post meditation. So I noticed, you know, changes were gradual after 30 days, I noticed some changes after six months, I noticed some changes after two years, I've noticed some changes. But when I post medit, starting my meditation practice, I I saw, oh, I can be in these uncomfortable situations and it's okay. Like, I don't need things to be different. And it really culminated for me when about a year ago, I'd been meditating for 10 months, I think. Uh, And about a year and a half, uh, like 15 months ago, I broke both my elbows, like in a bicycle accident. I went head over my handlebars and I just slammed both elbows, bam. And I broke this one. I I shattered my radial head and I broke this one. And it was a, uh, I just, it was a fracture actually on this side. So for a couple of days, I couldn't use either hand. I couldn't use either arm. I'm like, literally, I was like armless. And my wife is cutting my food and feeding me and pulling my pants up. And I asked myself every day, I was like, do I wish this was different? Do I wish things were different? Mm. And the answer for me was always no, which was very surprising, actually. But I know it's not the way that I would have dealt with that situation in the past. But it was, you know, and I really attribute that to meditation. So that's my, selling, that's
0: my sales pitch. Mm. Okay, right. <laughs> I am definitely going to try this out. Um, I've, been, I've been trying to do these like 30-day experiments for the YouTube channel, whereby in January it was taping my mouth shut while I'm asleep. And so that worked nicely. Yeah. Uh, and then February is learning how to freestyle rap. So I'm in the middle of that right now. Um, and then I think this is going to be the experiment in March, <laughs> the, the, the meditation thing. Because like literally everyone... That. Like everyone says, it's like the best thing ever, <laughs> uh, and any basically, like, like I feel like ninety percent of people who've been on the Tim Ferriss show say it's like the meditation is the best thing ever, <laughs> and I've been telling myself for years that okay, there must be something to it. Like I really need to give this a shot.
1: Yeah, I think there's
0: some. You know there are some
1: incredible benefits. I, I, let
0: me know how I can support you in your meditation journey. <laughs> nice. That. Yes, I'll 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 drop you a message if I need a hand along the way. Um, but this little soundbite that we've just got will be very nice as like a. <laughs> I spoke to Justin Card and he convinced me to <laughs> to meditate and here's here's how it's going. Let's see let's see what happened. Have, have you have you ever tried yoga? Yeah. So I I love yoga. Really? I oh, was, sick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the deal with yoga? Because that's on my list of things i should probably try because people say it's good (laughs) yeah yoga was another thing where i
1: thought it was stupid and my mom who my mom has always been into all these spiritual things and was always pitching me on them you know she was pitching me yoga like 20 years ago she was like you should do yoga and i was like that's like hippie for hippies it's like that's stupid and then she was pitching me meditation and like everything right so um but I started doing yoga a couple of years ago and my yoga practice, unfortunately because of my elbows has has taken a nose dive um, in the last couple of months. Uh, but I was, you know, yoga is another thing where I started working on my flexibility and, and doing yoga. And I just felt great after the sessions, you know, after doing a yoga uh, course, you know, I was, I'm a very basic yoga student, right? Like I was going to like core power yoga and other stuff like that. And so, but it was just, I felt great, you know, and I'm, I'm a big believer in exercise. I try to exercise every day, whether it's just stretching or some sort of other more intense workout. And I felt I could just feel it, you know, feel the, feel the difference for me.
0: Hmm. Okay. Do you think of yoga as, as like a, a minimum effective dose to get benefits type thing? Or is it more of a, is it, have you got a more like Zen approach to it? If, if that makes sense?
1: Um, I think I started it from more of the like tech bro angle, where yep. it's like, okay, I, I'm going to work out every day. And yoga is like a great workout. And I could feel it, the feel how good it is, you know, immediately after. And then the second thing that really helped was, you know, when you're doing yoga, you can't really be on your phone. And I think a lot of times when I'm like doing anaerobic, like a lift, or um, I'm like on my exercise bike, like I'll be on my phone. And so there is a nice component of, disconnecting hmm. i guess my overall philosophy on human beings is that we're all running the resource scarce algorithm in the resource abundant world right and so i'm like off like for example i am addicted to my phone because i am information greedy because in the you know kind of hunter gatherer world it's like better to like learn things you know i get as much information as possible as it's that's adaptive and so but like when you have access to the entire internet on, you know, in all of YouTube and Twitter on your phone, phone at any time, then you could just like look at it endlessly. And so for me, I, I try to figure out ways to create breakpoints or like ways of like the, the, where there's, you know, time that I'm you know, kind of not exposed to or not exposing myself to, you know, whatever it is that's kind of like the addictive thing that I want to get as much of as possible, which whether it's like information on the phone or food or, you know, whatever. And I try to create mechanisms in my life to like avoid or to reduce you know exposure at, at certain points.
0: So I think yoga is a great one for for you know when it comes to like digital addiction. Yeah. Okay. We've got quite a few comments in the chat from people uh, commenting that your your voice feels very zen and like therapeutic, like therapeutic it's the and like mic, right? <laughs> has 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 it always been like that, or is it like a mic plus meditation plus yoga type thing recently that you've got this sort of well, yeah sage vibe about you i've always had the voice the vocal chords um which you know i think are i get i get
1: i've always wanted to be a radio radio announcer and i think part of why i like having a podcast now uh, i have this podcast called the quest about you know people's journeys through life and the ups and downs of successful people and i think one of the reasons i love having the podcast is that it is this way to live out my college age fantasy of being a radio dj but um (laughs) The I think I did, you know, I, a couple of months into my meditation journey, one of my friends, I went to dinner with a friend of mine and he was, he said, wow, you are way Zen, you know, you feel like so calm compared to maybe the energy I had before. And mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, part of this journey is probably maybe a lot call, like I come that expresses itself through my voice. It's like kind of the equanimity that I think I've gained uh, or you Know the way I've moved more towards equanimity from where
0: I wherever I was before, which was not equanimous at all. Hmm. Okay, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I hope I too can become a bit more Zen once I once I start doing the meditation thing. Um, have you uh have you, have you listened to the Brandon Sanderson audiobooks by any chance? You know, I've never listened to his
1: audiobooks. Actually.
0: Oh, I'm not a big audiobook guy. Yeah, yeah, so the 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 audiobooks are game changing. I, I would I'd recommend them 100% because <laughs> I made the mistake he re- wouldn't. Does, does he read them? No, it's these two other narrators called Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, who are just like amazing. And Michael Kramer almost sounds kind of like you. Is that He's got a very kind of life before death, strength before weakness, journey before death. Like It's a very epic kind of. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and I've literally had those two narrators in my AirPods for the last four years, uh, starting with Mistborn and then Stormlight and then the Wheel of Time series. And yeah. Uh, you give me kind of audiobook narrator vibes as well. So uh, I just, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Well, I would, I would, I want to eventually
1: one day I'll, I'll narrate an audiobook. I have a book, I want to write my own book and I, I want to, you
0: know, I kind of have to narrate your own book. Of right? course, it's so, got to be uh, done. Yeah. What's your, what's yeah. your book going to be about?
1: It's gonna be about my experience going through this journey of, you know, seeking, being a seeker and wanting really, ch- or kind of chaser chasers, I'd put it, and like really trying to make it in the outside world and Satisfy all my needs through extrinsic, you know, things in in the in the world. So really trying to have a successful startup and be famous on the internet and getting that in a way and finding it ultimately a little empty. And then what I found afterwards with meditation and uh, gratitude and connection with the people around me and those are kind of the things that I value now. You know, more than having a big startup or big company mm. or whatever. That's so I wrote most of it. I just need to, it's in editing right now. Oh, oh, exciting. When's it, when's it coming up? Have you, or is, is I don't know. I, I want to build up my, my, my goal is actually to be like Jay Shetty. I want to like have a super popular YouTube and then release a book. And then mm. the book's going to like blow up. Right. Yeah. Cause <laughs> if I'm like popular on YouTube and TikTok and online, then like people will buy the book. I think marketing a book when you don't have your own distribution channel
0: is mm. like an uphill battle, you know? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly the thing I'm 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 kind of working on right now, and I I keep on looking to Jay Shetty as being like the perfect example of how to do this really really well. Where like you know instant number one New York Times list, uh, million copies in three months, and this is partly what I was what I was talking to Brandon about this morning. It's like like with with the book that I'm writing, I have this like I really want it to be to be big, and I really want it to be like a New York Times bestseller, and and I know that. Like for me, for me right now, at the moment, I'm like, you know, some kid from the UK who happens to have a reasonably big YouTube channel who who happens to be a doctor. Whereas if you add like a really good book to that, it's it like would level up my my own kind of brand and opportunities and and, and all the stuff in a way that few other things do. But I am torn between that kind of very goal directed mindset and more of a zen kind of, well, I'm very satisfied with how my life is right now. And I know that hedonic adaptation is a thing. And I know that success isn't going to bring bring me lasting happiness. And how, how, would, how would you think about those two conflicting things of, I've got this like very specific, very worldly goal with, I also want to like enjoy the journey and have fun and like be satisfied with where I am.
1: Well, I think those things exist in every human, right? I think you can, my meditation teacher is like very specific. He's, he's always saying, oh, it's okay to have goals, right? It's okay to have goals. It's good to have goals. And so I think you can have goals, but you know, I would just ask yourself, like, where is this coming from? Like, am I coming from a place of scarcity where I need Mm -hmm. something in the outside world to be a certain way? Or am I coming from a place of joy where I would write this book because I love to write and because it's cathartic for me? It's 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 a joyful experience for me in some way. And that's kind of how I filter everything now. Like, okay, am I coming from a place of scarcity or am I coming from a place of joy? And it's not always clear. You know, sometimes it takes like some thinking about it and, and trying to get some insight Mm -hmm. to, to figure it out. But for me, you know, writing, I love, I actually love to write and that love, and I love to create, I love to like make videos. And, and that love is like dampened a little bit when I'm trying to do it just for like, to get a lot of views or to get a lot of, you know, reads. Mm -hmm. And so I try to filter everything that I create through like, okay, am I just, what, what, what would I do if nobody read it or watched it? Like, you know, and then just make that. And then if, you know, I still have a goal. So I'm still learning like, like with YouTube and TikTok, right? It's like, I still want to put it out there and see what the audience response is and like, see, Hey, could I do something better? You know, in a certain way, could I, I'm explaining this message or telling the story. Could I do it better? And so there is like learning and the goal, you know, there's a goal of like, okay, I want to grow it, but it's not like I'm coming from this place of scarcity and I don't have to, it doesn't, the world doesn't have to be any kind of way, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, what would, it, would it be like? Because if I if I think about this journey of writing the book, I would do it anyway, even if it doesn't do very well. Because well, you know, if it if it doesn't do very well in terms of in terms of sales figures, because it would be fun and it would be interesting and it would be a, an interesting adventure. And it's it's already it no. al- it already has been like a, a really cool way to connect with people. Because when you say you're writing a book, it lets you connect to people. <laughs> Who in a in a way that it's it's harder too if you're just like a random dude. Um and that's kind of what my that's what my writing coach kind of has been has been talking to me about recently, because I think I think recently I was a little bit too outcome focused in that be like, oh my god, I need to get a New York Times bestseller and like, oh my god, I need to have an audience, but but my, my audience isn't as big as Jay Shetty's, like, what am I gonna do? And it's sort of like that fixation on the outcome stopped the process from being fun. And yeah. my writing coach was like look, Ali, the only reason you're writing this book is because you want to have fun. So make sure you have fun. And I was like, oh my God, yes, you're right. <laughs> and just thinking in, in that way just sort of helped me think of it more as kind of like a game that I'll, I'll play the game sincerely because it's fun, but I'll still just treat it as a game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my um, best friends likes to tell say, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, which mm-hmm. is a quote from some famous monk or something right you yeah. <laughs> know yeah. well, i think uh when you think about things in the con- context of like oh i'm trying to be the best and win against these other people or the jay shettys of the world or like mm-hmm. i'm worried about how i'm doing compared to him you know if there's endless people to compare yourself to and no matter who you are there will always be someone else out there um but when you think about things in terms of like hey is this making me happy at this right now like am i having fun doing this am i is mm-hmm. this joyful to do this then i think you'll
0: approach life in a, in a manner that, that doesn't constantly trigger your anxieties. Hmm. Oh, we have Noah Kagan in the chat. Hey Noah. He says, Ali and Justin oh. back at it again. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Noah, I just watched the the videos that we did together of, uh, we did lot- ones on, on Twitch and clubhouse and it's pretty fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So on that, on that note of, of like the comparison thing, I was speaking to another, um, another internet friend and he was saying, "Okay, like where do you want this book to go? Like you know assuming all your all your dreams make come true, blah blah blah, and, and the book happens, where will, where will you be five years from now once the book is out?" And I said some, I said something like, well, you know, book's a bestseller and it's doing really well, and then I'm get, I get invited to speak at conferences, and it's kind of cool. and you know, I think I, I'd still like to just put out loads of stuff on YouTube and I'd, I'd probably like open source all of my courses and stuff because at that point I'll be a multimillionaire and I won't need to make money. And he was like, oh, ha, 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 ha that's, that's not going to happen. Like, like this guy like, knows people like you uh, who are like successful and sort of startup founders and exits and like big famous authors. And he says that everyone is still chasing money in like a weird way. And so <laughs> don't, don't kid yourself that you're suddenly going to be a sort of uh, altruistic, giving, giving away everything for free. What, what's your take on that? Because I imagine you know a lot of like rich people who are still chasing money. How does, how, how does, how does that work? Sure. Yeah. Most of the rich people I know are still chasing money and which is why they're, you know, in some way they're successful,
1: right? Like it's mm-hmm. in a, you know, the, the desire to accumulate is, serves you right until it doesn't anymore. And, yeah. and so, uh, my take is like, everybody comes to that in their own time. Like maybe they, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but if they do come to, you know, releasing the need to like accumulate more, it's, usually not because of a, an external circumstance, but it's much more because of an internal one, right? It's not because they achieved X, right? Yeah. When I got to, when we sold Twitch, it was like, I remember in the beginning, I, I was talking to my co-founder, Michael, and I said, if we could each make a million dollars from this company, you mm. know, Justin TV at the time, the company that turned into Twitch, then that would be incredible, right? We were 22, so it was like, that would be fucking incredible. And he was like, oh my God, that was like, that idea was like crazy. yeah. And we, we blew by that, you know, we five years later after they had that conversation, we sold the company for $60 million that we'd spun out. And then, you know, a couple of years after that, we sold Twitch for, for $970 million. So there was kind of, we saw it incrementally. We kept blowing by that and blowing by mm-hmm. it. And, um, you know, that that had nothing to do with my, as soon as we sold Twitch, it was like, oh, that's my new normal. And then I was looking at my friends who started Dropbox or Airbnb. And I was like, <laughs> but we should, you know, be doing much better. Wow. And so, um, you know, the external circumstances had nothing to do with changing my perspective i think what helped me change my perspective was well first i was like very stressed and then i would you know because i was trying to accumulate more and then i was like really fixated on it and i started you know doing these other things like meditation and keeping a daily gratitude journal stuff like that to like recontextualize my experience and then i uh, had a number of experiences where i kind of like looked at myself in the mirror and i was like why do i want this Mm. you know so I, i sat in an ayahuasca ceremony for the first time uh, a couple of years ago. And I realized through these visions that I had that my entire life, I had been doing things in a performative way. I've like, I've been performing for other people and i everything I had done my entire adult life was just to get the approval of the people either around me or random people on the internet or whatever. Like, well, that's why I wanted to be a famous founder. It's not like having more money or like start a bigger company, right? Like having more money is not going to make any material impact in like how I live my daily life. But why do I want more? Oh, well, it's because then if I get more, then people will be like, wow, that guy's so successful. He did it again. He's like, you know, he's Jeff Bezos level, whatever it is. Right. And so uh, that, you know, I realized all of that about myself and I was living out these like desires from my past, like, you know, scars from when I was a kid, when I felt like I didn't get enough attention or the approval of my peers or whatever. And I was living that out. And then that was the cycle. And then I could choose, oh, do I want to do something different? And I had another experience a little later where I really felt a spiritual presence. You know, this sounds like some woo-woo shit, but like I was i, felt like I was meditating. I sort of felt the presence of God. And I thought, what would be a life that would be reflective of this experience right now? And I realized like I'd for 36 years of my life, I'd spent, i put myself at the center of it. You know, I'd, I'd always done things for me to like feed my ego to be more, so I could be more successful. I could have more attention, whatever it was. And then I realized, oh, you know, I could, choose to do something different for the next 36 years of my life you know the second half of my life i could choose to do something different and maybe um i could choose to to try to be helpful to other people you know and like uh, that would be a good start right and so i think those were kind of some of the experiences that led
0: me to to maybe try to reprioritize a
1: different path hmm.
0: so so moving from being very being sort of fo- focused on yourself to now so so is your is your drive now based around helping others, or like how, how how do you think about like what what to do with life like now for the for the second half of it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm primarily motivated by helping other people, and I know people will say, oh, well, like, why do you like yeah. spent so much time on YouTube and TikTok <laughs> trying to build your like social media? But like the thing I like is I love creating number one, mm-hmm. but I also love to help other people, and I think the things I'm most proud of in my life. Are so. Last night, I got a text from a, a founder who just raised money at a billion dollar valuation, and he was like, "Thank you, Justin, for believing in me," uh, because he, he was my I was his YC partner, and I had invested in him at YC. I invested personally in the company, and I helped him get some hmm. early clients and stuff like that. And he was like, "Thanks for believing in me. Like, you get so much credit for this." And I'm like, "I should get no credit, first of all." Yeah. But for me, like that, you know, almost like more than whatever you know, I did invest in the company, so I'll make some money off of yep. it eventually. But like more than that, it's like the fact that he out there is like that, Justin helped me when Mm -hmm. I needed help. And that's like something I'm really proud of. Like more than Twitch, it's like those experiences. And there's, you know, I've accumulated quite a lot of them now in in my life, which I'm very thankful for. Um, But there's a lot of people out there, you know, in Silicon Valley and and otherwise who are are like, well, Justin helped me in some way or said something at a critical moment. Like I remember at a conference, I keep telling this story. It's like probably sounds like a humble bragging or something. But like, I, I talk about therapy, like a lot, like we talked about in this conversation. And um, I, there, I was at a conference before the pandemic, and this founder came up to me and he was like, thank you. I started seeing a therapist because you talk about it on Twitter. And I was like, that is mind blowing and awesome, you know. And so, um, you know, it's, it's those types of moments that I really get a lot of value out of and really make me feel like I'm, you know, like a good life for me now is like, did I do right by the people around me? Did I feel like kind contribute to the people you know to Hmm. to people's lives and if the answer to those things is yes then then I feel like I did good you know
0: Hmm. do you like do you feel is it are there diminishing returns when you get those sorts of text messages because what I'm thinking about is like when I first started my youtube channel and I got messages on instagram from students saying that oh my god I loved your your videos they helped me get into med school that feels really good but when you get like 101 messages (laughs) from the the students all around the world like each week saying basically the same thing as much as I try and remind myself that okay this is a real real life person on the end of the thing and my stuff is helping them and this is cool like I think the 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 scope and sensitivity like it's 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 very different having an impact on who's in front of you versus uh, you know people on the internet how 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 does that work work for you I, I agree with you I think well first of all I'd say like Yes, there is hedonic
1: adaptation to that as well, but it's way better than or like it's I think it's slower acting than the hedonic adaptation to money. So, yeah. you know, one is just a number. The other is like there's, you know, at least comments attached to that, those numbers, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, But the, the second thing I'll say is that I that's why I think it's important to do service and to connect with people. In person, right? Mm. Like, it, because that is like the least hedonic, adapt, yeah. a, a, hedonically adaptive, right? And so yeah. for me, it's like that's a personal message. This isn't someone random on the internet, right? Yeah. Who was texting me last night. This is someone who I've had hours of conversation with who I've done personal service for in a way, you know, mm. like help them. Um, and and so it was much more meaningful than like if some, you know, when a random founder is like, hey, you know, you said this thing that like helped me in this, sell my company, and you know, because of something you wrote you know, it's less of that personal connection. So, you know, that's, I try to, that's why I like being an investor is because it's a chance to advise and mentor people where
0: I have the personal relationship. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What you just said reminds me of a, a, a question, a question I've been thinking of recently. Uh, so I've been working with a kind of performance slash productivity coach guy who's big on like the whole, like what's the point of all of this? Where's your life going? That, that kind of stuff. And one of the questions he asked right at, right at the beginning when we started working together was, what would you want written on your gravestone? <laughs> what, what would you want said at your funeral? I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. And in, in, in the past, I would have been like, oh, this is woo-woo. I'm not going to think about this. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a chance. And the, the thing I landed on for the, for the gravestone thing was some combination of uh, good father, good husband, and inspirational teacher was like the third the third strand of that. And I was quite surprised by this because like so, so surprised and I'm not surprised surprised because like there, there was nothing about being like a, a, a doctor who saved lots of lives. Like I, I realized like that sort of thing didn't really give my life any meaning. And obviously there wasn't anything like, Oh, he made loads of money and he had loads of followers, which is even though that's like the, the, the short term thing that I've been chasing and continue to chase. Um, and at the same time, I was like, okay, this, this kind of makes sense because the, the times in my life where I feel I've I felt the most fulfilled has been, have been when teaching other people, usually when teaching medical students in real life. To an extent, I'm doing like live courses on Zoom and stuff and that feels good, just not as good as like doing it in real life. And so I feel like optimizing, optimizing for teaching and like reaching other people and stuff is probably the way to go. But then there's still an element of like... I was like, you figure it out. I love that. But the, but there's still an element of like well then if that's if that's what I care about then why am I still chasing money like why do I want a New York Times bestseller like that's just stupid right <laughs> I I should I should care about like in a way long term book sales matter because then that means your book hits more people and the New York Times list is such a sort of one one snapshot in time how much how much firepower can you put behind like the pre-orders and week one sales of the book it's it, it's it's this thing this this tension between I know that being a teacher is what I love and what I care about. But at the same time, there's all these other like status and, you know, 2 million subscribers and then 3 million subscribers and the New York Times and these other kind of badges of badges of achievement. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. you know, what I would say to you is just the first thing is like,
0: that's a human, that's
1: a, it's a human experience, right? Like you, it's okay to like want things mm. in the outside world. <laughs> that's part of like your natural experience. And that's an that's an adaptive trait that all human beings have. And then the question is just to me it's like are you being driven by that primarily or like once again are you coming from a place of joy and i think that you just it's not black or white it's not binary right some of the time you're gonna wake up like some of the time i wake up and i check how many youtube subscribers i have (laughs) you know i'm like okay i want to i want to grow it i'm not like i'm not a saint right but some of the time but it's just like i constantly am rechecking them on myself it's like oh why am i doing this Hmm. like am i creating videos because i like have i'm having fun with it because I feel like I can teach people someone something mm-hmm. or am I creating videos because I just want to be like make this number go up and you know if the answer is the latter too many too much in the row I'm gonna mm-hmm. stop right but it's not gonna be 100 always the former right yeah it's just some, somewhere in the middle in the past if I was honest with myself I was primarily it was primarily the latter right mm-hmm. but like now it's primarily the former and I think that's just a good shift and so you know it's not it's not black and white but i I think it's important to um, accept yourself first
0: as a first step however you are Mm. how has having kids changed your view and sort of like driver motivation worldview type thing if if at all yeah well
1: i think having a kid really helped me like i it was good well i mean having a kid is like amazing for all these different reasons do you you have a kid no no (laughs) one here um, okay. but I'm curious, I'm curious about, you, about, not, about not, the not phenomenon you know. of having kids. Yeah. <laughs> not that I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for me, having, having a kid is like, it really round. Someone told me it, it will round out the human experience for you. And I really feel that way. Like it's, it's, okay. it's a part of your heart and like love that you did not know existed before. Um, so for that reason alone, I think having a kid is, is incredible, but, um, it's also very difficult. I don't want to like undersell that having a kid is like probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. Um, the, uh, um the thing i'll say though is like the i'm really glad that i did all this personal self work before i had a kid mm. because i think he will be set up for so much more success in a way and i don't mean success in the traditional way but like uh when i when i look at people with like when i was when i was growing up i was jealous of the kids who you know there was something there's the security of like the kid, like my, my mom was like an immigrant. She came in, she like with to this country, like to the United States with nothing. My dad was pretty poor growing up and there, you know, my mom had the scarcity mindset. Right. And she was like, I think I, I, I learned some of those traits, which is why I want to be rich and make a lot of money, whatever, one of the reasons. And so I, I would see peers of mine whose parents were pretty successful and it wasn't that they were passing on, you know, like a drive for like making money, but they were, they kind of had created this like safe environment where their kids, you know, were were really supported, right? Like kind of in all across all these different dimensions. And when I think about why kid and what I want to what's success to me, it's like, did he grow up to be a kind person? You know, did he grow up to be the source of his own approval in the world? Like he didn't need other people to to be the source of his approval. Um, did he grow up to like learn how to be empathetic and to connect with people around him? Like those are the things I care about. I don't give a shit if he's like an entrepreneur or successful or like makes Mm. a lot of money or has a white collar job at Goldman Sachs or whatever, you know, those are like, so I think, but I would have like 10 years ago, if I had a kid, I would have been like, oh, I want him to be like the best entrepreneur or something like that. Right. And so I think I just feel so thankful that I've been able to go on this journey for myself because I think it will help me be a much, much better father.
0: Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's. So I've got a few friends who, uh, who are similar in that they're like, their only, their only kind of goal, the, the, the only goal their parents had for them was, was like, Hey, I, I want my kid to be kind and, and, and to be happy. And if I think of like, and I, <laughs> I don't want to hate on my mom here, but like, if I think of the, 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 the messages I got growing up, they, they were not the, you know, oh, you know, just focus on, on being happy, being kind and being empathetic. It was far more the kind of immigrant mentality of work hard, get a good job, get into med school, put your head down, do this, do that, you know, climb, climb the ladder almost. And I I used to be flabbergasted that like normally my white friends, like their parents would be like, oh, you know, it's, it's all good. Just like have fun. (laughs) I wonder if it's like a, yeah, I, I feel like it does come down to like the, the sort of scarcity immigrant coming into the country trying to trying to make their way type mindset um yeah yeah. i think you know one thing is that you
1: know there's an opportunity though for me like at first i was resentful right like i was Mm -hmm. like oh my mom like it's like you know kind of all these different ways but my mom actually was very kind and set an example of really caring about the people around her i want to like really clarify that um and she gave you know i think that i'm very thankful for the things that the lessons i did learn from her about hard work about you know um The opportunity to like accumulate in a way, right? I'm thankful for the journey I've been on, whatever it is. Like the opportunity to have gone through the startup journey, this amazing journey, Mm. been successful, accumulate a lot, has given me, put me in a position where I can, you know, focus. It's like almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? (laughs) Now I'm like at the self actualization point, but maybe I would never have gotten there if I hadn't been through this journey, right? And maybe I would never have gone on that journey if I hadn't had some drive to do it. From an ego place, from an ego motivation. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't wish anything was different. You know, this was a, the way it was. everything unfolded as the way it, it should have, mm. it was supposed to be. And um, I'm very thankful for the way my parents raised me, you know, but, and I should say, I want to do a few things differently with my son.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm broadly in the same position. Um, often, if, if I'm like being an inter- interviewed on a podcast or something and someone says, like, how did you get like the entrepreneurial drive and things like that? i i I often put it down to the fact that we weren't that rich growing up, and so I always felt a level of oh, it would be cool to make money online and I want to become an internet entrepreneur, and I want to kind of do my own my own tech startup kind of k- kind of thing and because of that mindset and because of that kind of hustle growing up and like learning to code at age twelve and like making all these websites and trying to make pyramid schemes to make money online through affiliate marketing <laughs> all 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 of that fun stuff got me to the point of like that I am right now, and so I wouldn't change anything at all, um, but I think it's like one of those. Have you have 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 you come across that like IQ bell curve meme on on like Twitter? It's like the 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 midwit meme. I think is 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 what it's called. No. Oh, okay. No, totally. So I will, I will I will describe it to you. It's like so you've got like you know a, a bell curve of IQ with like 100 IQ in the middle, and on the uh, on the low IQ end of the spectrum, you would have like like the troll face uh kind of meme. Yeah. And you you would have like the troll face person uh and it might be something like uh a single handwritten notebook. Okay? And then on the other end of the spectrum you would have like a Jedi uh type, you know, the Jedi master with his hood with single handwritten notebook. And in the middle, you would have the the midwit with an IQ of 100, who's like, you know, 18 different note-taking apps, every like five different methods of <laughs> note-taking under the sun. And it's like, sort of the tears going down their face, where it's like, yeah. th- there's this like, <laughs> full, full circle almost from like, when you're in the middle of it, you're like, full on like, <laughs> a certain way. Whereas when you, when you become more of a Jedi master, you're like, oh, actually, you know, life is pretty simple and life can be pretty good (laughs) but you have to in a way go through the middle process of being so like uh self-driven and like materialistic and stuff to get to that point at the other end um so i i i think about that a lot especially in the context of uh there was like a version of this meme that i did which was like the the low iq person is like nine to five job mortgage wife and kids the guy in the middle is like four hour work week passive income financial independence nomadic lifestyle and then the Jedi Master is nine to five job, wife and kids, <laughs> mortgage on the house. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm still sort of in that 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 middle guy when it comes to all these these sorts of things, and it's a, a constant struggle to go to <laughs> go back towards Jedi mindset of like living a more simple and yeah more simple and appreciative life. There's
1: this Zen, uh, there's this is chart of kind of like all the different. It's like a circle of all the different stages of Zen. Right. <laughs> and my um, meditation teacher describes and the final one, it's like something I, I think it goes through this like circle of like this guy, like taming a, a bull or like cow or something like that. Mm. And like kind of all the different interactions he's having with them that are representative of the states of mind. And the final one is like just a, sh- a shopkeeper in the middle of the town square. Right. And people are like, what is this? It's like completely, you know, incongruous. It's basically a different picture. And the idea is represented by it is that, you know, when you really true, truly achieve like that mastery, you're just living a normal life. And like, mm-hmm. it's like completely indistinguishable from you know, from the outside, Yeah. but you're just doing, you have equanimity with the how things are, you know? And so that's kind of what it made me think of, you know, the, like the goal is to get all the way around the circle and go back to just that
0: single notebook. Mm, nice. Um, a few other things I, I wanted to ask you about. So on one of your, Uh, I think there was a, some sort of like uh, some business insider or something piece about you where you talked about, um, you said only work on things where you have intrinsic motivation. I want like, how, how, how do you think about, about like intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation for like the, the things that you're doing as like a very broad kind of question?
1: Yeah. So, so I think in the past, I, you know, people are like, it was must have been so fun to work on Twitch because of video games and whatever. And it's like I didn't even really like working on video, right? Like, where people were like, "You must have like wanted to work on video, like be a video guy, like a, like on the engineering side, like mm. wanted to, You know, it must have been fun to work on like a multimedia site, right? I was like, I didn't really give a shit about that when we started Justin TV. I just want to make a shit ton of money, <laughs> like we, you know, and I'll admit it, right? Like, it's yeah. like I just so for me it was this aspect of. I wanted to just do things because I was extrinsically motivated to get something. And then mm. today, you know, it's because it's yeah, I can't keep harping on this, but it just goes back to like, what is my joy every day, right? Like what are the things I love doing. I love talking to founders and meeting founders and lear- I love learning about new businesses. I love creating content. That's why like basically I'm an investor and YouTuber. It's like, those are the things that I actually like mm. would do for free and have done for free for no money. I mean, yeah. I do YouTube for free for no money. Like, yeah. right, like, so, uh, you know, for me, it's like, that, that's what, um, those are the things, that's how I think about allocating my time. It's not a perfect. You know, I still end up in meetings and conversations with people where I'm like, eh, I probably wouldn't choose to do this again, <laughs> you know, but, uh, it's, it's, I'm getting triangulating on, you know, more and more kind of doing the things that activate me versus not.
0: Hmm. Yeah. This is sort of one of the things I want to, I want to talk about in, in this book that I'm working on this idea that initially it was, it was supposed to be a book about productivity. Um, because that's kind of what I'm known for. I was like, okay, cool. And the more I thought of it, the more it's like, well, if, I, if, if people ask me, like, how, how are you so productive? How do you do all these things? The, the main answer is just that I enjoy the vast majority of the things that I do. And when you, yeah. when, when you have fun doing it, it doesn't feel like work. And it, but it's, it sounds so like cliche and trite to say it. It's like a, a, a tweet from Naval or something, you know, find, <laughs> find something that doesn't feel like work and then you never have to work a day in your life. But like, that's like genuinely what it is. And, and so I've been, I've been thinking about this, like, what are the different things for you that bring you joy in the work that you're, that you're doing at the moment uh, slash gave you joy in the work you were doing in, in the past? Because even in the past, I, I I can't imagine you were so you were fully extrinsic motivation just chasing money. You must have no, enjoyed some some aspect of it. Yeah. So what did that look like for you? For
1: sure. So like when I was starting off, I loved to program. Mm-hmm. Like it's a form of creation, right? Like you're a programmer. Like it's like figuring something out. You can yeah. get in flow state. So I used to love to program. I think that was those one. Um, I love selling. You know. So I like mm-hmm. I actually love like I get in a flow state when I'm like really connected to someone in that. I understand like, if you're a good salesperson and I think I'm pretty good, you know, like, uh, (laughs) when, when you're a good salesperson, you're, you're in the zone with that person. You understand what they need, right? You're like in their head with understanding like, what does this person need and how can I deliver them what they need? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, I, love to sell and raising money and recruiting employees, that's all forms of selling, right? And so those were things in my startup that I was very good at. And so uh, you know, those are those were things that, that that those were kind of um those are things that like I enjoy doing, right? There were a bunch of things in startups I didn't enjoy doing, like managing people, uh, you know, pr- working on product actually. So like they, they're in those are like very critical things when it comes <laughs> yeah. to startups. So like maybe you know, being a, a startup founder is not the right fit for me right now. Mm. But you know, that that was like then and and then Today, you know, like I said, it's it's like I love to, you know, what about my actual specific work? Well, when I'm like with the founder and I'm helping them and I feel like I help them in some critical way, I sometimes I can get in a flow state helping people because it's like activating that part of my brain that's like, okay, what is, you know, it's all the patterns I've learned and all the mm-hmm. like I have this like big mental model on startups and I can, you know, take in, in ingest their problem state and then spit out solutions and sometimes those solutions like really i'm like wow that was fucking genius i just like <laughs> I just gave this guy like the, the right that's- answer right and so that that's like kind of can be a source of joy for me and then creating content like i said just like trying to content is like sales in a way right like mm-hmm. at least the type of content that i'm creating which is like edutainment right it's like okay how do i like deliver this message in a way that's like really resonates with this person and and or this crowd of people and to me that's that's um it activates that like flow state part of my, Mm -hmm. my brain, you know? And so I'll go like, you know, like this week, the past couple of months have been really busy since like December. Right. Uh, and I'll, I'll work like 12 hours a day or 15 hours a day of like, on like content or calling people. Like I'll be on the phone for 15. Like, I think this week there was one day I was on the phone for 15 hours, which is exhausting. And I was exhausted (laughs) at the end of it, but I was, you know, I was activated the whole time. I was like,
0: wow, I'm really having, I'm in the zone. And so, um, that's what I strive for. know. Mm. How, how how do you think of the balance between fun and satisfaction? <laughs> well,
1: okay, so I don't know. Like, I try to like, I'm trying to create a situation where I I don't have to choose between the two. Mm. You know, I guess sometimes the trade off is like I'm doing things where it's an investment in satisfaction. It's not the most fun. You know, like sometimes. Like the fifth interview you have you yeah. do on, on YouTube or something is like not that fun because you're kind of covering the same stuff. This is a fun one, by the way, because Oh, I'm glad you okay. <laughs> yeah. It's very in, in depth on these topics I love to talk about. But like the fifth interview might not be that fun, but it's an investment in like, hey, if I grow my audience, it's gonna be more satisfying to like speak to like more people, you yeah. know, whatever. And so there's there's a trade-off. I just try to do it intuitively. I don't think I have a formula. I'm like, okay, okay, what is on the list of things to do? And I try to, you know, I think about like I try to maximize the fun and satisfaction and hopefully I'm doing tasks that are, you know, that where that
0: I can have both. Okay. If you were if you were giving advice to uh, let's say someone in their late teens or early 20s who wants to kind of make it in the world and this person has this this thing of well, you know, fun would be watching Netflix. Satisfaction would be kind of like, I don't know, learning to code or working on my startup or like writing a blog or things like that. And in a way, like, I feel like to get to get success by the traditional metrics of it, you sometimes you often have to do a lot of boring things consistently over a long period of time. And if you can if you can make them fun in a way, then that's then that's awesome. But there is still an element of like putting in the the work and like the grind and, and, and stuff. How how do you think about that side of things if you were if you were looking back like when you were, let's say, teenager or early 20s?
1: Yeah, I think you you know the people who are successful have a really good executive function, right? They're willing to like make up trade offs to for like future fun and resources and Mm. satisfaction. They're willing to trade off present moment fun, right? Or like short term satisfaction, short term short term gains. So I think that's very important to develop that skill, right? And so. Uh, what does that look like? I mean, that's everything from, you know, I'm not eating the junk food right now to the mm. I'm like gonna invest in setting up this IDE because I'm gonna be able to program yeah. <laughs> later, even though like setting up an IDE for everyone who knows, you know, has ever tried it. Like so setting fun. up your environment yeah. fucking is horrible. Yeah. So um, you know, I think it's just important to develop that skill for sure. And like even the, last night I'm setting up like this mic and like my teleprompter. I don't like I'm not a gearhead. I don't really love setting up gear. If I had some guy who was like right here with me setting everything up, I'd be like thrilled. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually a friend was helping me. So I have to give him credit. But like the point is like, I was doing it. Cause I was like, this is going to be satisfying when I'm like tomorrow I'm on this, like, you know, doing this uh, podcast or like the live interview and we're, you know, I get to use my like new awesome setup. And if people are like, wow, he looks so clear in that. Yeah. You know, in that and his camera. voice sounds so, so good. <laughs> yeah. His voice sounds yeah. so good. It sounds so smooth. So I, you know, that's kind of how I, i uh think about is like you got to be willing to make those trade-offs if you want to have the satisfaction because all fun with no satisfaction is not a great life like yeah I've had moments of that and you know after selling twitch it was like okay i'm gonna blow off steam and spend like months like just traveling or like
0: mm.
1: just you know indulging hedonistic you know desires and it's just like okay that gets old. you know it's not it gets old
0: mm. it's like when i was on my um in my in my in my fifth year of med school, uh, we do this elective thing where where you go to a different country and you do medicine stuff for a while. Uh, most people treat it as a as a sort of two-month vacation, which is sort of what me and my friends did. But I found that we were in Cambodia and Vietnam and just doing vacationy stuff every day wasn't fun. But when we were doing sort yeah. of vacation like like alternating vacation days with me on my laptop in a coffee shop doing some UX design for a medical startup, that was like pure bliss. Cause it was like, you know, work one day, the satisfaction, even though it's not like not pure fun. And then the next day is like pure fun. And then the next day is like satisfaction. It's like this, getting that balance right between like, yeah, the long term satisfaction things and the short term fun things. I think, I think it's quite yeah, important. For sure. For sure. Um, cool. So one, one video that I want to do at, at some point soon is, I get a lot of questions as I'm sure you do about like, tips for entrepreneurs or tips for getting started with business, like startup type stuff. And I know you probably get this a lot, but like, what what would be your like, top tips for, let's say someone in their early 20s thinking, okay, uh, I'm, let's say I'm in, I don't know, I'm in medical school, and I'm not really enjoying it. And I know I want to do some kind of startup thing, because that seems really cool. How would what would be your playbook for, for, for getting started for someone who's not in the sort of tech bro ecosystem? Yeah. So um, I guess I have a couple of like kind of high level tips that apply to almost
1: everyone. Yeah. Like number one is like just get started, right? Like you, there's a lot of times we'll throw up bears like, I don't know how to program. I'm not like a start founder. I don't have connections, whatever it is. Like the first thing to do is just getting started. The first step is the hardest. And just starting to like put pen to paper, work on a prototype. You know, recruit people to to work on it with you. Like whatever those steps are, like that is that is what's going to give you momentum. I think a lot about managing momentum, either my internal momentum or the momentum of my team hmm. that's helping me. And how do you like get the ball rolling on something? Because human beings, whether it's you know one or an organization, like are very momentum focused animals. Like and so if you have uh, momentum around a project, it will continue generally like something that's, you know, the way, where there's, there's uh, momentum around, o- oftentimes the ideas don't get off the ground because you have a great idea, but then you just can't find the right person to work with. And then you kind of lose interest and then that's it. It dies. Mm-hmm. And so I think about getting started as a really important, you know, kind of the, the, the important first step. And then the second thing I'd say is like, you can figure out how to do anything. If you just make a list and then break down everything in the list into like lists and then everything in that list, the list, like until you have atomic units of work. And so like, um, you know, that's how we like, when we started with Justin TV with like the, it, yeah, it was a very daunting idea. I mean, this is back in 2006, there was no like in, you know, iPhone. And we we're like, how do you create a, we were going to create a 24 seven live stream from my life to the internet, you know, to the internet. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. But right? like, that's like, how could we, so then we started making lists. Okay. Okay. How do you making like what we need to research like what kinds of cell phone data connections that are right like that's one step then there's like we need to like figure out how we get camera footage into a some something that can connect to a cell phone data modem right then that's one step and then we need to figure out how to like stream camera footage from like this you know from over the modem we need to write some software for that then we need to figure out how to like Get that's you know stream to the to a server somewhere in the in the there was no cloud at the time right so we were racking our own server so our our own server and then you know so on and so forth and and then each of those so how do we break that down into like five different things and it's like you know so for the it's getting video to the server it's like okay research whether the flash media server is functional which it wasn't at the time or like it was just like a long list of steps and then but the point is like we were able to break down everything that seemed very complicated into atomic units of work even if we didn't understand it well enough to like know what we had to build it could be just like oh ask five people who are experts in this industry how do we would do this you know or like whatever right like mm. research xyz things and when i've used that paradigm for breaking down things like i've been able to build companies in many different areas right whether it's legal tech or like errand running or or video online video or I'm, you know raise a venture fund of $50 million, like whatever it is, like I can, I, you you can figure out anything if you break things down into lists and like component steps. So those are probably my two hmm. generalized tips, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, to what extent do you think it's still important to learn to code for someone like these days? I think it's
1: important. I think programming gives you a framework for thinking about the world that like yeah. m- many people don't have, you know, of, like very logical framework and, um, you know, it's like learning to read, in my opinion. Like, you don't have to learn to read. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you should. You probably so you should. Yeah. Should learn to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to learn to program, but yeah. you probably should. I think it's like, you know, it's a pretty valuable skill set. Cool. Or, like, maybe it's more like being a good writer because everyone really should learn how to read. Because, like, if you want to function in society, you need to learn how to read. But mm. you don't have to be a good writer to function in society. But if you become a good writer, it's going to change the way you think and it's going to be very valuable in terms of how you communicate with the world you become a good programmer it's going to change the way you think and it's going to be very valuable in terms of how you interact with the
0: world nice and if someone were to come to you and be like justin i know I want to get into the startup thing but i don't know how to come up with startup ideas (laughs) well what would you say to that how how does one come up with ideas for like a startup
1: yeah I, i was listening to a clubhouse with uh sahil lavindia from um uh, Gumroad yeah. the other day and he said something I, th- I really liked how he framed it which I've heard before but he was the most recent person to say it which is like look at things that suck in your life mm. that's a startup idea <laughs> everything that sucks that's that's a startup idea yeah like basically a startup idea is taking a something that sucks and making it suck less that's it
0: whether it's a process a product you know a community whatever you know whatever mm. yeah the way I n- I normally put this if pe- if people ask me it's like that 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 thing about figure out what are the pain points in your life like what sucks but i think like why learning to code is so valuable is that it gives you the framework to know that it is that it would theoretically be be, be possible and how easy it would be to get a solution to the problem like when you know how to code and you understand that most apps are just you know reading and writing to a database just that concept completely right. unlocks so many, like, bloody hell, everything, everything is a database. <laughs> everything is reading and writing to a database. And you feel like, yeah. Um, whereas not knowing yeah. how to code is like, you just don't, don't have that, that, that like mental model for thinking what could be feasible and, and easy and, and stuff. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Like when
1: I was in college, I was interning at this law firm. And uh, at the law firm, um, I was like the IT guy, right? Like I was like an IT guy plus a file room, like the the guy who fetched things from the physical file room. Hmm. So it was a small law firm. So I was like doubling up, you know, multiple jobs. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that I had to do was one time it was a special project and they were laying out photos for a, um, like to submit into evidence, right. From a you know, there's like a thousand photos and they were putting them in the way they would do it is they would load them into Microsoft Excel and then position them so that you could, there was six to a page and then print that page. Right. And then there was like a, you know, we we're going to print like whatever, a thousand pages Or sorry, a thousand divided by six, right? So, like, uh, like two, you know, 200 something, whatever that is. (laughs) Yeah. 100 something pages, and then submit that in evidence. So, I was like laying, I was like importing these digital photos, laying them out in Excel, because that was like the program they had, and then printing them, right? Or, like, actually, I did print them all at the end. And so, I, I was like, this is fucking terrible. This is like a terrible job. And I did it for like 10 minutes, and I was like, okay, it's gonna take me literally like four days to do this. And so I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I started thinking like, okay, so I started open up Excel macros, right? VBA macro, whatever the, the, the basically programming language that's in Excel. And I was like, there's gotta be a way, you know, you could probably do all of this by like programmatically. So I basically wrote a script. I'm like, well, I told my boss, I was like, Hey, I'm going to like make a code to do this. Like, this is their program. This is like stupid. And she's like, don't waste your time. That's like, that's never going to work. That's stupid. And I was like, "Okay, well, I'll just go back and I'll do it on my desk. I'll like just lay it out. I didn't tell her, <laughs> so I'm there, and I like programmed this thing in like two hours, right? It like imports the photo, like goes down the directory, imports the next photo, like puts it on this page, like goes you know et cetera, right, and then resizes it or whatever. And so it like sc- literally scripted this, and then I just fucking ran that program. And I took the next four days off like <laughs> this you know the the the, the ability to harness technology to use to like do the thing that you want to do in the world is that's leverage right and it's like so valuable and and if you're not teaching yourself how to use one of these tools then you are leaving this tremendous like the 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 most important tool that we've ever created as human beings Mm. you're like
0: leaving that on the table yeah that's a that's a nice story that's like a really good example of (laughs) yeah applying applying the principles of coding to something in Something tedious in real life. Um, yeah, the, this used to be like my 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 strategy for like the reason I I went to medical school rather than doing computer science, even though I really like I really liked to code and stuff when I was younger, is that I thought that it would be more interesting to be a doctor who knows how to code uh, than to be just a computer scientist who knows how to code. Because as a doctor who knows how to code, there's probably less competition in terms of coming up with sort of innovations within healthcare. Because healthcare is, especially in the UK, is like a notoriously Uh, non-technical kind of field. And yeah, I'm just so glad that I had that kind of insight when I was like 16 uh, to go down this route. And it ended up not really working that way. Like I'm not working in a medical tech startup right now, but I think the way that my life was moved forward in that direction by being a tech bro plus a medical student really helped me ultimately start YouTube which because I started YouTube as like a content marketing engine for my business which was based around getting people into med school through a SaaS like question bank that me and my brother wrote and it was, it was all this kind of weird weird stuff that you know you, where where like the chain reaction of one thing leads to another leads to another gets to the point of, of being here but it all really started when I learned to code aged 12 because I wanted to make money online <laughs> and yeah one of the best decisions ever Awesome I love that I love that story uh, Changing gears back to back s- to back to what we were talking about originally, um, which is what I personally care about more than <laughs> than startups these days. Uh, what's the deal with with gratitude journaling? You've mentioned that a couple of times, and I've heard a few things about it, but like, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I have this app, Five
1: Minute Journal, and then mm. every day I open this app, and it asks me what are three things you're grateful for, and then there's like what are three things you're going to do to make today great, and then affirmations, and I just fill that out. It takes about five minutes in the morning, and... It's very simple. Like a friend told me about it three years ago. I thought it was fucking woo woo, <laughs> and I was like, I don't. Why did do, you know? What? Why are you? Do, why are you doing that? What's the point of that? And uh, that convinced you. Know, but he was like, Hey, I feel. You know, I really like doing it, and it's just made me feel more positive. So I, I tried it for a week, and I really felt that way. I was like, Oh, I'm so grateful for my experience, actually. Mm. And I'd never been a grateful person before. I was always like, What's next? How am I going to get more? You know, and so. It just really changed my experience in a fundamental way, and I'm a huge proponent of gratitude journaling now. You know, so it's an investment, you know, just like meditation
0: or exercise in in your daily well being. Okay, nice. Okay, I'm going to start start trying that. Yeah. I, I've I've kind of dabbled with the sort of three things I'm grateful for for in the past, and I feel like I always kind of landed on. You know, it, it would be in the morning. I'd be like, I'm grateful for this cup of coffee in my hand. I'm grateful for the fact that I've got a cool a cool desk setup. But I'm grateful for uh, like, what w- what do you put on that on that list of things you're grateful for to really feel it? If if that makes sense, it varies. I mean, you know, sometimes
1: it is like, hey, I'm grateful for the global supply chain that delivered this coffee to me. <laughs> you know, I can have coffee like that's amazing. Like, yeah. I don't live in a place where there's like normally naturally growing coffee, so. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be something like that. It could also be, like, I'm really grateful for my health. Like, I'm grateful that, like, my arms healed. So Mm -hmm. I can, like, I can just, you know, use both arms. Like, I'm grateful for uh, my family being happy. Um, You know, when you think about the alternatives, if you really, sometimes you're, like, you know, it can be easy to get in the mode of, like, oh, I'm just going to write three things really quickly to check the box. Mm. But when you really get into, like, what do I actually feel grateful for? And what is the alternative to how it could be right now? Mm. Like it's kind of like a form of neg- negative visualization, which is like a stoic practice, right? So it's like, okay, well, it could be the case where right now my family's not healthy, and like, what would that be like? Like, if my son was sick right now, what would that experience be like? And I'd be like, oh my god, that would, you know, that would be tough, It'd be really tough. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, then I wake up back in normal world, and I'm like, oh wow, it's actually really great that he's healthy, you know? Like, so I, th- I think that that's
0: that's kind of how I think about it, and and. Um, yeah, that's just how, how I try to, how I frame it. Hmm. And in terms of affirmations, how, how, how do you do those? Um, the affirmations, I'm like, I'm, the, you know, I tell myself every day, I'm calm.
1: That's the one I start with. I'm calm. I'm a calm person. And then I am the source of my own approval in the world. I don't need the outside world to be any different. And then it's like, I whatever today brings, I accept it. I ex- accept, you know, I, I set, tell myself I'm kelp, like the, you know, the plants and plant the things, ocean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm kelp because like kelp is like, if you've, you know, I'm a free diver here in yeah. uh, the California coast. So I like, I like to free dive in, um, in the water, you see this kelp. It's like the waves are really strong, right? There's a lot of force and, and, um, and, uh, potential energy in, in waves and, uh, cause water has a lot of mass. And this kelp is like blown by this, you know, the waves on the shore constantly, whatever. And then and it just stays, but it stays firmly rooted into the, into the kind of base, of the of the ocean and yeah. i think of myself as like that's that's the model right like whatever today brings i don't control it could be something that's a very difficult experience i could have another accident you know i could have someone i don't know might be my youtube channel gets closed down by youtube or something like that right like or, or my fund you know yeah something happens in my fund and like you know that disappears or, or whatever or like my family could just get hit by bus right like you there's you don't control what happens in the world you think you do but you don't and So for me, it's saying like, it's reminding myself, whatever happens, I don't control it. And I accept it. Like I might get moved by it. Like if my family did get hit by a bus. I'd be very sad. I'd be very affected. Mm -hmm. And I would be trying to, you know, do things in the world to like make that not happen or like to fix the problem or whatever. But, um, I don't control it ultimately. And so acceptance is like a key part of like whatever, whatever happens. And so like help, I want to be moved, but not, um, but not unrooted. Mm -hmm. And so, that's
0: what i think about nice you know so so far in and i guess your your wellness stack we've got we so we've got meditation yoga the journaling uh the the gratitude journaling the the, the affirmations is there anything else you'd recommend or the th- things, things yeah, so that you I have in your own wellness gratitude stack? journal yep
1: gratitude journal meditation exercise every day yep. whether it's five minutes or, or not like or you know, rotate through cardio strength and, and, um, stretching. And, uh, those are probably the main things. I, uh, I try to fast pretty regularly. So, um, you know, I try to, I usually do intermittent fasting throughout the day and I'm mm. only eating, I'm usually only eating like between like 3 p.m. and, and 8 p.m. Um, but I, you know, I just, that's, that's one thing that's really helped me like that. I'm, I'm pretty carb sensitive. So I, I, I eat like a low carb diet most of the time. Oh, okay. And, um, I think that's the other thing that's probably really helped.
0: Yeah. I was, I was actually reading, reading Dave Asprey's book about fasting last night. Uh, and so to today in, uh, having, having been inspired by that, my first meal was at two <laughs> and yeah. I, I kind of just felt like I had a lot of energy, um, <laughs> in the afternoon, which is not what i expected because no. i just i just had black coffee in the morning and the, i had like a pang of hunger at 12 and then i tried ordering some takeaway from deliveroo but it didn't arrive and then i was like okay that's fine i don't need to eat and it was it was it was a surprisingly like a surprisingly liberating <laughs> liberating thought <laughs> yeah we're we're addicted to food
1: you know yeah. food is everywhere and low pretty low quality food and uh you know we we've created this kind of mental there's like a physiological addiction which is like if you don't eat food you're gonna die eventually but there's Mm. also this mental addiction which is you know if you if you you a psychological addiction where you think that you need to eat like three meals a day Mm. right like that's what i thought when i was growing up but then um you know human beings were designed to like to have that much access to food
0: yeah true um do you do these sort of although these one-off high high magnitude experiences like, I don't know, a transcendental meditation retreat or like a burning man or like a shaman trip, like th- that, that variety of stuff. Do you, do you dabble in that?
1: Yeah. I would say I may, uh, I like the, I like the peak experiences too, for sure. Peak experiences. Yeah. Like burning man. Yeah. And I like uh, meditation. I've done meditation retreats and I've done shaman you know, experiences. So it's like, it could probably hit all,
0: all oh, the nice. buckets you just said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's a good, like uh gateway drug in, into, into the world of peak, peak experiences. I've, I've, I have a zero experience with any of them, but it's something that a lot of people talk about. So I'm, I'm curious. Well, I think when Burning Man comes
1: back, it's going to be lit. You should come yeah. to Burning Man for okay. sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Burning Man is an incredible, very, you know, experience. Okay, cool.
0: Uh, I will uh, add that to my calendar whenever it comes comes back to life. Um, awesome, amazing, Justin. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun, and I've gotten a lot of yeah, a lot of takeaways, uh, a lot of takeaways from this. Definitely going to download yeah. the five minute the five minute journal uh, and give the meditation thing a go. And I'll I'll I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll drop you a message if I need a hand. <laughs>
1: All right, we'll do. Cool. So I'm gonna and I'll probably be hitting you up for advice on my YouTube
0: channel as it you know as I navigate it. Of course, anytime, man. Any, any final thing you'd like, to, you'd like to say to the audience? Yeah, no, check out my YouTube at, uh, you know, just, I don't know, how do people shout out their YouTube? It's I, don't just know. I mean, we, we've yeah. linked it in the video description, so that's probably the easiest thing that you can just click. Get uh, the link in the video description, you guys, and subscribe to Justin. It's pretty lit. Right. And actually, though, I've, I've been seeing a lot of comments from people recognizing you from TikTok. So you seem to have grown oh, on TikTok dude, I love as well TikTok. recently.
1: <laughs> I, I love making TikToks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing doing a lot I'm doing a lot on TikTok.
0: Oh, oh, All right, so what's, follow me your, TikTok uh, too. what's your strategy for TikTok? Because I, I I haven't really given it much of a much of a chance. Like what what, what I just, do you TikTok I use it about? to pre I use it
1: to pre flight my YouTube videos. So I'll like make a, a TikTok on like whatever topic I'm talking about, like selling right. my company, yeah. and then I see if it does well, and like I make the I use the ones that perform well as like the idea, story ideas for YouTube.
0: Nice. So you just yeah. like talk talk on TikTok for like, yeah, yeah it's just, just like
1: a it's like one minute, right? I'm just like putting my phone. on, I'm like, yeah, hey, what's up TikTok? Blah 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 blah, and then that's it. Okay, you know.
0: And do you do those fancy things where it's like music and there's like stuff appearing here and there and everywhere and I, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there's like the, the text <laughs> appearing and stuff like that. I figured how to out how, how to do that. It was like some old person shit where I was like, <laughs> I was asking my friend like was a gen z or like yeah. how do
0: i like use this app like you
1: know and she had to like show me like nice. it's like teaching her dad how to how to do tiktok but anyways okay. cool yeah
0: I'll, all I'll right check your tiktok out. thank you thank you very much all right thanks everyone for tuning into okay. this episode of the deep dive justin it's been an absolute pleasure and yeah thanks everyone and we'll we'll see you later awesome thank you or DM us at NOverthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.